If we're going to be a revival church, if we're going to be a praying church, if we're going to be a church that blesses our community, there's a couple things we must have. We must have prayer. We must have the word. And we must be a giving church. We must have prayer. We must have the word. And we must be a giving church. Revival doesn't take place without prayer. Expansion and growth, God can't bless it without a good, sure foundation of his word. And then things can't go the way it should go if we're not a giving people. Amen. And so those are very, very important things. And we must have all three of those components as we continue to move forward. And I thank the Lord uh, that this church is a very giving church, sacrificial giving church. Uh, but there are many that still miss out on the blessings of God that belong to you uh, because we are not givers as the Bible instructs us to be. We may be occasional givers or givers when we feel as we should give, but we should give as the Lord instructs us to give. I want the blessings of God on my life, and I don't want to do anything uh, that's going to shut off the valve, if you will, uh, of the blessings of God to flow uh, in my life and in my family. So this is dealing with kingdom lifestyle, kingdom lifestyle. This should be a lifestyle that you and I have, and your finances are very, very important. I don't care if you find money off the street or if you receive money every single week, you ought to know what to do with God has given you. It is important to understand if God blesses you with a car, that somebody gives you a home, that somebody gives you property, that somebody gives you. Those are things that God has blessed you with, and you should know how to bless people back and bless the Lord back in return. Let me give you an example before I jump into this. My wife and I were blessed uh, with a vehicle uh, sometime. It was, it was years ago. Someone blessed us with a vehicle. Um, and it wasn't a very elaborate vehicle. It wasn't something very expensive. But the value of that vehicle was around $7,000. And so my wife and I treated that vehicle as someone handed us cash for $7,000. That was something that we did not have before, and now God has given it to us. And the Bible says that we are to give back to the Lord of all of our increase. All of our increase, we are to tithe unto the Lord. And so when the Lord blessed us with this vehicle that was valued at $7,000, we gave the Lord 10% of that. We paid tithes 10% of that, all right? Now, my wife and I also gave an offering on top of that vehicle as well. Now, how did we do that? We didn't have the money in our account because if we had the money in our account, we would have bought our own car. We didn't have it, but what we did was we set money aside, and each and every week, each and every month, we just paid little by little by little until we were able to come up with that $700. And then we gave that unto the Lord, and then we also gave an offering unto the Lord, thanking him over and above what he did unto us. I'm trying to help someone understand that everything that comes unto you is given unto you from the Lord. The Bible says the Lord gives, and the Lord also takes away. So when we are blessed with things, we should look at them from the lens of how the Bible looks at things and how it teaches us these principles. So if things are handed to us, we should always see how we can give back unto the Lord. All right? So that is a very important principle. So if God blesses us with anything, it doesn't matter what it is. I don't care what the value is. Someone may say, well, Pastor, what if he gives you a million-dollar home? Well, I'm going to be paying tithes for the rest of my life, it sounds like. On top of my tithes that I already give. Amen. That's right. That's, that's, that's what I'm going to do. Because God has given me that, so then therefore I'm going to bless him because this is what the Lord has done unto me. I don't care if it's land. I don't care what it is. We're going to give unto the Lord what belongs to us. Someone say amen. amen. 
The Bible says in the book of Matthew, chapter 23, verse number 23, the scripture says, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees. This is Jesus talking. Hypocrites, he calls them. Why is he calling them hypocrites? Look what he says. Let's itemize this and please pay attention to each word. The scripture says, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought you have done and not to leave the other undone. So Jesus did not fault the Pharisees because they were not tithing, but because they were tithing with the wrong heart. And see, once you have an understanding that tithing is important, it's a biblical principle that you should do, then we should tithe with the right attitude. So even though you may be giving, it's the attitude and how you're giving that the Lord is also watching as well. He's also making sure that you're giving with the right attitude. And so it is important that the attitude that we give with is just as important as the giving in itself. Tithing should be paid off of your gross income, not your net. What is your gross, just in case you don't understand? When you receive a check, there's a number at the top and there's a number at the bottom. That number at the top is considered your gross. Your net is actually what you take home, and then you have the taxes in between that. Think about that now. We actually pay taxes off of our gross. God should also receive that same gratitude. We should pay, give tithes off of our gross as well. That is what we give tithing off of. It goes off of our gross income and not our net income. We do not pay all of our bills first and then wait to see if we have enough to pay God. That is not how it works, right? The Bible refers to tithing or giving. In the Old Testament, you see this a lot as first fruits. When we receive income, that is the first thing that I do. Going back to if someone gave me $7,000, or uh, of course I use the example of a vehicle, but if someone gave me income, they handed me $1,000, I'm not shopping on Amazon to see what new things I can purchase. That's not the first thing I do. I make sure I take care of the Lord first because the Lord didn't have to bless me with this. And if I don't take care of what God has blessed me with, then he will not take care of me. He won't take care of me in ways that I'm hoping that he takes care of me because I have to be faithful over the few in order to be ruler over many. And so I, I don't pay all of my bills first and then say, oh, I forgot about you, Jesus, because I don't want to be in prayer one day and, and Jesus, oh, I forgot about you, Pastor Robinson. I, I, I don't need no Genesis chapter 8, verse number 1. Don't flip through your Bible right now and try to figure that out. Genesis 8.1 says, and God remembered Noah. I want to be on top of God's list. I don't, oh, 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 I, I forgot about Pastor Robinson. He, he did have that prayer last year. We can't treat God that way then. Don't, don't treat him that way. Don't treat him as an afterthought. Always put the Lord first. Back in the day when I was growing up, when they used to have billfolds and they used to have checkbooks and, you know, all those things that some of you older folks still have, praise God. Uh, and, and so those are good things. Don't get rid of those, okay? That's, that's a good thing. That's probably why some younger folks have a hard time balancing uh, things sometimes. Uh, and so they used to say, if you, if you can tell a person's love for the Lord if you just check their checkbook. 
You take a look at that checkbook and see what they're writing out first. It's a good indicator of who's first in their life. And so it's important to keep God first in your life in a great way that you know that you keep him first, that you keep him first in your income, your money. All right? And so that is very, very important. And so when it comes to giving and tithing, uh, the scripture also lets us know that it's important to also give in offering. Malachi says, how can a man rob God? He robs him in tithing and in offering. There's a misconception that many uh, believers have, and that is if I'm just giving tithing, then I'm okay. I don't need to give offering. Uh, that is a, uh, uh, a misconception that, that, that needs to be dealt with all across uh, the world, really, and across churches and across believers. But here in this church, we must really understand the importance that it's both tithing and offering. If you're only giving tithing, you're still robbing God. According to scripture, not according to Pastor Robinson, but according to scripture. He says tithing and offering. So it is important to give both. According to the scripture, we must give in our tithing, which is 10%. We understand that principle, and it is of the first fruit that we give unto the Lord. But we also give offering as well. And so that is important to understand that because the scripture lays it out very clearly that we only rob him if we're robbing him of both tithing and offering. So there are many people that only give tithing and they just, they don't do offering. There are some that just put a couple dollars of offering in and they never give in tithing. It is important that we have both and you have an understanding of both. Now, I want to itemize this and talk about this and break this down uh, just a little bit because offerings is an addition to your tithing, okay? Offerings is an addition to your tithing. So when we give in tithing the 10%, then we give in addition to the 10%. We don't take the 10% and, well, I'm going to give 8% and then 2% of that is going to be for offering. That's, that's not biblical. We need to understand that we're talking about a biblical principle, not a church principle. And many people, and, 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 and there's a lot of false teaching out there. You can go all, all on, on, on social media, on YouTube, all over the Internet. There's a lot of false teaching out there when it comes to giving. And now a lot of that has be, uh, uh, come up because of corrupt preachers. There's so many corrupt preachers out there that are misusing and misleading people and taking people's income for the benefit of themselves and not for the benefit of the kingdom of God. Now, I'm going to tell you very plainly that if you think that there is corruption financially in this church, then we need to find a new church to go to. Mm -hmm. Amen. That's, 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 that's so true. And there's, there's no way I will sit under a corrupt leader that I feel is mishandling and misusing things. Now, that will not stop me from giving my tithes and offering, though, because I give my tithing unto the Lord. So even if there's corruption or we sense corruption or feel corruption from leadership, I'm still going to keep giving it because I'm doing it unto the Lord. And the Lord will take care of them. All right? So, so it's important to understand that because a lot of people will just stop giving because they say, well, I don't trust that man or I don't trust that church. No, you're actually cutting yourself short. You're cutting yourself off. 
you just need to find somewhere else to go to then. That's what you need to keep you doing. But you need to keep giving your tithes. Keep giving that. Praise God. I met with someone, uh, a wonderful family not too long ago, and they, didn't, they were in that type of situation where they didn't really uh, feel that they belonged to the church that they were a part of. And uh, they said there was things going on that they didn't like, they didn't appreciate. And so they stopped paying their tithes there. And, and the couple said that, but what we did, Pastor, was we just put our tithing in a different account. We kept taking our tithe out, but it kept going in a different account. We kept taking our tithe out, and we kept put, putting it in a different account. We knew we needed to pay it, but we didn't want to give it to this church, to that man of God. And so I said, hmm, that's, that's interesting. And so I said, that, that's, so that, that's, that sounds good in, in, in theory. I said, but they, didn't, they weren't expecting this next question. I said, so is that money still there in that account? Not that I was interested in it at all. I was just wanting to see where's that money at now. They said, yeah, we, we've been spending it. <laughs> we, we, they said, Pastor, but it was too tempting. They had this money sitting here, sitting around. It's been sitting there for months, and here it is building up, and, oh, we can get a new this, and we can get a new that. And see, oftentimes, we do the exact same thing. We may not have money sitting in an account somewhere, but we're not giving to God as we should because we're looking at material things, thinking that we need to control everything instead of giving to God and allowing him to control. Amen. And so it's important that we have tithing and offering. Remember that God said that the people of Israel robbed him in tithes and offering. It is very important to give and the offerings as well as paying our tithes. I believe in percentage giving for offerings. Okay? Now, I'm going to emphasize what I just said. I believe in percentage giving for offerings. I give 10% in tithes, my wife and I, and we also give 5% in offerings. We've done that since we've been married. That was something that we agreed upon once we were married. It was a principle that I learned many years ago. And I've stuck with that principle ever since. I believe in percentage giving. If I'm going to give a percentage in my tithes, then I also give a percentage in my offering. I believe that we should also look at offerings the same way based on percentage. And I look at that in Exodus chapter number 30. The Bible says in Exodus 30, verse number 2, the scripture is going to be up here on the screen. This is what the Bible says, and we're going to look at this very, very detailed. It says, when thou takest the sum of the children of Israel after their number. I can pause here for a moment if you got to find it, brother, unless it's behind me. Oh, no, it's not. Exodus 30, verse number uh, starting at verse number 12. We're going to read verses 12 and 13. When thou takest the sum of the children of Israel after the number, then shall they give every man a ransom for his, everyone say, soul. Give a ransom for his soul unto the Lord. When thou numberest them, that there be no plague among them. When thou numberest them, this they shall, everyone say, give. This they shall give. Everyone that passes among them that are numbered, half a shekel. Everyone say half a shekel. Half a shekel, but that half a shekel comes after the shekel of the sanctuary. And then it gives the amount of what? the shekel is valued at. 
It says, and a half shekel shall be for the what? For the offering of the Lord. So the half shekel represents the offering of the Lord. So I use this verse in my life. In my wife and I's life, we take this verse here. And if the shekel represents the tithing that is unto the Lord, then a half a shekel represents the offering that is located here. And half of 10% is 5%. So my wife and I give 10% tithing, 5% in offering. And this is a principle that we've always stood by. And I'm telling you right now, God has always taken care of us. I'm telling you, church, if you will adopt this principle, watch what the Lord will do in your life. I just need about 15 witnesses just to lift your hand right now. If you look, look around, look around. Come on. I want everybody, please take a moment. Look around, look around. If you will adopt this principle, I'm telling you it will work. There are people in this church that now they've exceeded 5%. Now, I want to tell you something. There are many people in this church, many that I'm connected with in my life, they didn't start at 5%. They started at 2%. They started at 3%. They started at what they could handle at that particular time in their life with a promise, a covenant unto the Lord, saying, Lord, this is what I'm going to do for you, but my hope, my goal is to be able to obtain 5%. And I'm telling you, everyone that had that covenant with the Lord, every one of them, they may have started at 2%, but every one of them have reached their 5% attainment. If you will adopt this principle in your home, if husbands and wives can agree on that principle, if you can have that principle in your life, even as a teenager, even as a young adult, I'm telling you, watch what God does for you and how he sustains you in your life. It is a principle that we must have. If tithing is 10%, then half of that is 5%. I believe we all should strive to give in this manner. I was doing some math the other day. I was going through all of our givers here in the church, all of, all of our givers, everyone that has given this year, everyone, every number. I took all of the tithing that's come in, all of the tithing that's come in, and then I did that, and I came up with a median number. So a median is just an average number. So I came up with an average number. And then I took that average number, and I divided it in half. And said, if this is our average, then our offering should be this number. You know, if everyone that is a giver in this church gave in their tithing, and their offerings at 5%, you know, we would already have in our savings account $1 million? Wow. Yeah. 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 I don't know if that went over like a lead balloon or that just weight, that just, that just kind of hit hard. Mm -hmm. Offerings. Offerings. Offerings, offerings. That's a powerful statement. You want to know the greatest fundraiser is sitting right here in the seats. Mm -hmm. it, it, it is. If people gave just according to the Bible, pumpkin rolls would just be for fun. <laughs> now, Brother Carter. If Sister Carter's watching, forgive me, Sister Carter, wherever you are, because she's, prob she's probably like, no, it's not for fun. 
There's a, there's a lot of work that goes into that. It, it would just be for fellowship. And, and you know, it, we don't, that little $13,000, $14,000, whatever we profit out of that, uh, it'd just be for fellowship. If, 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 if we gave in offerings, in off, isn't that something? Isn't that something? Now, now, I want to be very clear on this because I I feel like I'm not as clear because sometimes you know how something's in your head, but you don't communicate it the right way. Now, that million means what's in the account right now, and then you take what should have been given or what should be coming in, and you put that on top of what's in the account, it will come up to that $1 million. Just in offerings, though, okay? Just, just, Just in offerings. You take what's in our account right now, as far as savings, you take our offerings, what should have come in, you put that on top of what's in the savings, you have a million dollars. That's something there, something to think about. But I want you to know that we as children of God must believe in the principles that God has already given us. Practicing wise stewardship of your money, the money that God gives us, is a way of preserving your reputation. The Bible talks about us keeping a good name. Proverbs 22 and 1 says a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches and loving favor rather than silver and gold. When you are trying to win a soul, when you're trying to win a soul for the Lord, your name and reputation is the most important attribute you have. Your financial dealings, Give people a view of your integrity, which should be above reproach. The Bible says in Romans 13 and 8, it says, Owe no man anything but to love one another. It is important that we should always be able to pay back people that we owe. We should always be able to pay back what we owe others. Sometimes things are given, and it's given with, hey, don't worry about it. You keep that. You don't worry about it. But the moment you utter out of your mouth, I will give this back to you, then in your heart, you should have that intent to give that back. Doesn't matter who it comes from. All right? Doesn't matter. Mother, father. Now, the Bible says, oh, no, man. Okay, mom? So wherever you're watching from, I know I probably owe you a lot of money, but... uh, It says, oh, no, man. I'm just kidding. The scripture says that we should owe anyone any money. And so that is important that we should be able to pay that back. Look what the Bible says in 2 Thessalonians, chapter 3, verse number 10. It says, for even when we we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would, everyone say, not work. If any would not work, what the Bible says, neither should he eat. The Bible puts emphasis on people that refuse to get jobs and you're able to get a job. If you're able to get a job and you're just not working, that's a problem in the eyes of God. If you're, not, if you're not working the way you should be working and bringing in your own income, then you shouldn't be going around asking other people to feed you. That's Bible. Mm-hmm. So you go get a job. Mm-hmm. You'll get a job. I, I, I tell, our, I tell our, our young ladies that's interested in, in, in certain young men, I say, well, what does he work? What does he do? 
oh, well, he's not working right now, you know. Well, who's paying for the meal? I am. That's a problem. You better run from that relationship right now. That's a problem. Oh, I'm taking care of the meals. I'm doing it. No, no, no. That's, the Bible says that's a problem. No, he needs to be taking care of that. He needs to be paying for that because, trust me, it only gets worse. And how it starts is how it's going to end. If you paying for things and you picking him up, you taking him out, that's a problem. All right, I'll move on. Oh, I know that's good preaching. I know it is. But, uh -huh. I know it is. So, you see, you, 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 you can't be lazy. All right? Cannot be lazy. You can lose a job and things can happen, but you better believe I'm going to go right back out and try to find me another job. All right? That's right. That's right. Sometimes I, there's been moments, I'm not going to go into great detail, when I sacrifice. My wife and I, we were doing very well. I was very proud of what I did, and I had good income. But my wife, we had two kids at the time, I believe. I believe we had two kids at the time. And she was saying that I was not spending enough time at home. She says, I need, I need you home more. I need you home more. I'm, I'm struggling. I need you home more. And I was gone a lot. I mean, a lot. Bringing home good money, though. But I was gone a lot. So I had to make a decision. It's either my family or this job. So what did I do? I quit my job. I sure did quit. Now, I don't recommend this, but I quit without having another job. Sure, I, I, was, I quit. But it was at that point to where I said, okay, I'm done. I'm done. I quit. And then I went to go find me another job. Now, it took me a month to find another job, but I found me another job. But I didn't stay home and just sit back and kick my feet up. Ah, we got the savings. Ah, we can do this. Ah, no, uh-uh. I went out and got me another job. So it's important to work or you shouldn't be eating. Another principle that I, I want to bring out that is very important, and I don't know if you have these scriptures, so I'm going to give them to you right now, is 1 Kings chapter 6, and we're going to read verse number 1. If you have your Bibles, please follow me here. 1 Kings chapter 6, we're going to read verse 1, and then we're going to drop down to verse number 38. So we're going to read 1 Kings 6 verse 1. Verse number 38, and then we're going to jump to 1 Kings chapter 7, verse number 1. Okay? David wanted to build the Lord a house. God said, you can't do it. Why? Because his hands. Too much blood on his hands. But you're going to have a son. You're going to have a seed. He's going to build your house. So we know Solomon came and built that house. I want to give us clarity on a couple things that we can pull out of this that many of us cannot find ourselves falling into. I feel this spirit very strongly in our day, and I don't want this spirit in this church. And if it is, we're going to deal with it right now. All right? So let's see what the Bible says. 1 Kings chapter 6, verse number 1. The scripture says, and it came to pass in the four hundred. An 18th year after the children of Israel were come out of the land of Egypt. In the fourth year of Solomon's reign over Israel, 
in the month Zith, which is approximately April or May according to our calendar, which is the second month according to their calendar. Everyone understand that? Okay. That he began to build the house of the Lord. So now we are understanding that we are in the building of the house of the Lord that Solomon has now started. That's what verse number one clearly gives us. Now let's drop down to verse number 38. Verse number 38. The scripture says now, and in the 11th year, in the month Buell, which is roughly around October or November, which is, which is the eighth month, was the house finished throughout all the parts thereof. So verse number one tells us this is when he started. We drop down to verse number 38. This is now when the house of the Lord is finished. Look what it says here, though. And according to all the fashion of it, so was he seven years in building it. So it took him seven years to build the house of the Lord. You may say, wonderful. What great detail. What great time. What, uh, he put all this time into building the house of the Lord. It took him seven years to make this happen. Well, turn your Bible, flip the page to chapter number 7, verse number 1. What does it say? But Solomon was building his own house. And how long did it take him to finish his own house? Why did Solomon put more time in his own house than he did God's house? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Think about that. Why did he put more time in his own house? than he did in God's house. I want you to think about that because that is very prevalent even today. We'll put more time, we'll put more effort, we'll put more money, we'll put everything into our house even more so than we put in God's house. Oh, help us, Lord, right now. Because the direction that God is sending this church, we've got to have a kingdom mindset and not a me mindset. Are y'all hearing me? We, we, must have, we must be kingdom driven and not it's all about me driven. I should be just as excited to say, oh, come see the house of the Lord as I am come to my house. I should not have an attitude of, oh, come to my house, but then I'm hesitant to bring them to the house of the Lord because it doesn't look as pristine. It doesn't look as nice. It's not as clean. We don't have an excellent spirit about the house of the Lord, but we have an excellent spirit about our house. Can we lift our hands right now and say, Lord, help us right now? Come on, from the front to the back. Can we, can we lift our hands just for a moment as a, as a congregation, as a church? In the name of Jesus. Lord, help us right now. Help us right now. Help us right now. Help us right now.